Train, eat, repeat. The knowledge and know-how you need to live well. Here's your host, Tyler Ferrand. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into another week of Train, Eat, Repeat. I'm here with Andrea. Hello. We are back together for the first time in like <laughs> three weeks, weeks two weeks, because <laughs> um, we did have some special guests with us, uh, Laura Adler and Dr. Gabrielle Fondero. Um, excellent interviews. If you guys missed the last two episodes, make sure you go back. And actually, we're going to do a little bit of a recap, um, a gist of our thoughts or, or lasting impressions that we got from both of those interviews, um, because there was a lot of information there. And in some cases, somewhat hard to digest when you have that much information flying into your ears. So we want to make sure that we digest that and and sort of uh, move on from there. What we're going to be talking about today in the podcast, a very relevant topic, because as the weather starts to get a little bit nicer out, and we've seen this a lot back when we worked in the corporate gym mm-hmm. arena, people tend to lose their sort of routines. They lose their focus towards um, keeping a consistent lifestyle, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be talking about that. We also just wrapped up our mind, our, uh, our minimally processed eating challenge, um, which was fantastic. We actually learned a lot. I was going to say, I think we learned just as much as our participants did. And that's one of the things that I love when we do these challenges is how much we learn along with our participants. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and to echo that, like anytime that I'm sitting there learning something and while somebody else is learning too, it get that much more satisfaction sure. out of it. So um, a lot of things that we learned throughout that process. And if you are somebody that was inside of that group, thank you for being a part of that group. And I hope that it helps you long term. Uh-huh. So let's talk about uh, the last two interviews we had. We can start with Laura Adler. She was an environmental toxins expert. Uh-huh. Um, if you want to go back, it's on episode 51 of the podcast. Uh, so what were your sorry? I know you actually per, uh, did the interview. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the eye popping things that you got out of that interview? So I, I just want to thank Laura for coming on to the podcast because I think it was so eye opening, not only to me, but to everyone else that it's it seems a little bit overwhelming when you're hearing all this information. But what she tries to encourage is that she's educating you, not trying to overwhelm you. And I think that's that's what we try to do ourselves is we try to educate you. And yes, all of these things that she said that we're come in contact with and all the different toxins, it's overwhelming, but we can make small changes. So I thought the takeaway from that interview that was super eye-opening for me was just how much of an impact we can make by just changing simple things like changing our plastic wrap, our plastic bags, our Tupperware, our plastic water bottles, doing small changes like that make a huge impact to not only to our exposure, but also to the environment as well. For sure. And I was just going to say that, like, it's not just about how it affects your health. We know that there are studies that are starting to show that prolonged exposure, it doesn't happen overnight. It's the same thing as like sun exposure, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like you go out and you automatically get skin cancer from having too much sun exposure. It's a prolonged process. And I think, too, it's one of those things where it's still very much a young uh, 
field of study and that we're still figuring things out as we move along. And I think, too, just in terms of and we've talked about this numerous times on this podcast of you being your own advocate. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to come around to the point where there's enough valid information out there. Granted, it's hard to find exactly what's valid versus what's not. But there's enough information out there for you to make an informed decision, because ultimately what we've also learned across both of those interviews that we had is that marketing and the almighty dollar are are sort of the driving forces. And you're never going to be able to change that in the society that we live in, in the world that we live in, because ultimately people and companies want to make more money. Well, if I can make a inexpensive product, even if it's out of something like plastic, right, which is cheap, right, and, and it's, it's reusable, then I'm going to obviously make it for that. Now, there are some really good companies out there that are trying to do the right thing, be more sustainable. But even then, so we found like in that documentary about Seaspiracy, mm-hmm. the, the, the sort of mark label of, you know, having to be right. like dolphin free uh, isn't exactly true. Right. And right. That's, that's the marketing ploy that we've talked about before is that, you know, even if you feel a gut feeling. If you, just do a little extra research, like you said, we've we've said this numerous times. You know, be your own advocate, but do some research if you feel something's not right and look into it a little bit more. And I think just starting small. Yeah. And you'd said that, and so did so did Laura Adler. Actually, it's like small things like opening your windows mm-hmm. just to air out your house. Small things like not burning candles inside of your home, Mm -hmm. or if you do, making sure that they are a particular candle. Mm -hmm. Like those are all things that you can, they're small things that you can do um, that could have long lasting effects. And also too, I think it was very interesting that most of the sort of toxins that enter into your body can happen in vitro. So the biggest thing is, is that you're not only just saving yourself, really, but you're trying to teach future generations on what impact the type of uh, materials that you use, things you drink out of, uh, you know, things that you inhale have a profound effect on your ability to lose weight um, and other possible symptoms and disorders that can happen down the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then we, we talked the next week, we talked with uh, Dr. Gabrielle Fondero, who, in all intents and purposes, I would consider her an expert on probiotics. She wrote her dissertation on it when she was going through her doctoral program. Um, But she is a health coach, Mm -hmm. too. So she's very similar to what we do in terms of uh, that sort of uh, mindful approach towards optimal wellness. And but our focus of our conversation was around probiotics because it was such a such a big buzzword. And so is the word gut biome, which we sort of found out in that interview that it's more than just one piece. It's multiple systems working at once. Um, but after listening to that interview, I found that it, that probiotics itself um, not necessarily for everybody. For sure, and and talk about like a marketing, you know, um, not a marketing ploy, but I mean, it is it is strategic marketing mm-hmm. that a lot of times we feel, oh, we need a probiotic because we have some digestive issues, um, or we need a probiotic because we have leaky gut. You know, Mm -hmm. and that's a big thing that's going around now, too, is leaky gut. And I think we've done our own um, kind of trial and error as to adding a pro back in and and taking it out, so to speak. And and I, you know, I've been honest, I've got a lot of digestive issues and I was taking a probiotic and I also eat some yogurt, too. And I feel like I was getting too much. And so I stopped taking the probiotic. And it's just a very interesting conversation with Dr. Gabby. 
Gabrielle, and I I thought it was super interesting when she was talking about the performance piece of a probiotic as well. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too, it it well, like to Andrea's point in terms of feeling how your body responds to something. And the the marketing ploy is, well, I have this problem, so I need to be able to take a pill for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And that's blending over from what our Western society mm-hmm. medicine has already taught us is like, if we have an ailment, we go to the doctor, we get a quick pill and a quick fix. When in general, and and Dr. Gabrielle Fondero talked about this, your diet will solve the majority of the problems. And in fact, most holistic health coaches like Dr. Mark Hyman, uh, Dr. Michael Greger, they all speak to diet first, then supplement and or medication if necessary. But your diet will take care of the majority of, of the health ailments that you're facing or the, the sort of bowel disruption, things like that. So, And I think that's something that we also um, gravitate towards as well is that food is your medicine mm-hmm. and that you, you can control a lot of different things that go on with your body with the foods that you eat. 100%. And I think you get that from both interviews with mm-hmm. Laura Adler and also Dr. Gabrielle mm-hmm. Fundero. So. But before we go into our topic, I just want to say happy anniversary. Oh. It's a one-year anniversary <laughs> for your podcast. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy when, when you start to add up the weeks, but then you write in week 53 and we <laughs> record this once yeah. a week. Um, I can't believe it's been a year since. It's kind of like when you say, tell people it's been a year since the pandemic started uh-huh. back in March. Um, but again, it, it's, it's a, it's a passion of mine. Hopefully you guys are getting a ton out of it. Um, and, and I'm looking to build it, you know, and, and go from here and obviously build it with Andrea, with the addition of Andrea on this podcast. I think she brings a wealth of information. So congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Enough of the gushy stuff. Um, so let's get into today's episode. So Andrea and I, anytime the weather starts to warm up, and we're actually creatures of this too, we crave to be outside. Mm-hmm. We crave to have something different inside of our schedules because literally, and with the pandemic this past year, we've spent more time indoors mm-hmm. than probably we have in our entire lives, mm-hmm. right? And not just because, well, at least here in Michigan, it's it's miserable for four or five months out of the year. It's cold, it's bitter, it's gray. Um, it's not something you necessarily want to go out and enjoy. Although we did go snowboarding this year, um, which was a whole experience in itself. But um, the reason why we wanted to talk about this is because what we found over the course of the years of coaching Andrea owning her own brick and mortar uh, and then both of us both working at Lifetime is that we noticed that like almost 30 percent or so. And again, that's a very general estimation of how many people dropped off of their fitness routine. We didn't necessarily see the gym as busy. Why it's so important, though, to still keep some semblance of a routine intact um, because some studies actually show that people think, you know, some studies show that people gain more weight over mm-hmm. the summer compared to the fall or winter. And most people think they gain more weight over the fall and winter. Right, right. And so we we get it. You know, the weather is changing and, and you want to be outside, which is awesome because we want to be outside, too. But that doesn't mean that you should put your health and wellness on hold or your workout routines on hold. Yes, maybe a change of scenery is great, but we get the, you know, well, the kids are home from school and I, I, you know, we're going to be going on vacation and I'm going to be more active because it's nice out. Now, I guarantee you everyone that has ever said that to me that I'm going to be more active because it's nice out. They come back in September, October and they, their goal of I'm going to start running or I'm going to walk every day outside because it's so nice never happened. Yeah, and it might not happen, or or maybe you started it and just fell and off. then it, and then it fell off. 
and and the reason why that typically happens, it has nothing to do with the fact that they're lazy. It has nothing to do with the fact that um, they they felt unmotivated, which again, motivation, it's a fleeting thing anyway. It comes and goes. But it's mostly because they've been taken outside of their routine. Mm-hmm. They've given up something that was already automated, already built into their schedule, which what we've talked about numerous times in terms of habit formation is that the more that you do something, the more automated it becomes – I think you almost get somewhat complacent. You you don't realize how much that is adding to your life. And so then you take it away for, let's just say, a course of a summer, so two or three months. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I don't feel nearly as good as I did before. Right. Um, and everyone wants to get their summer bed ready for the for the summer. You know, you are, you're going to be on the water, you're going to be in your bathing suit, or you're going to be in shorts and a tank top or whatever it might be. You're going to be, you know, in less clothing than you were in the wintertime. And so it's it's that much, it's that important to stay consistent with your, your routine. And like you had said, you know, maybe change it up, change up the scenery, take your weights outside or take just your cardio outside and go to the gym to do just your weights. And I think too, we have, what we have to look at is is the most effective dosage right for your exercise so what i mean by that is is like maybe you don't want to spend as much time in the gym that i I agree like when it's nice outside i'd way rather go outside and whether you're bringing your weights outside or your workout outside but also to look for ways to do get the most minimal effective dose so if you're going to the gym five days per week maybe you take two or three of those days and you end up spending them outside doing activity you love. So maybe we we joined a, a recreational league of, of sand volleyball yep. or we're doing pickleball or something where you're still active. You're still getting that heart rate elevated. You also add in the social element with all of those team sports. And then you're still able to maintain your fitness with those two or three days a week. Um, you know, studies have shown like two or three days of full body strength training is plenty for you to be able to maintain. You may even see some, some potential gains in there as well. But full body strength training, making sure that we're still keeping the core principles of a a push, a pull, a squat, a hinge, um, you know, inside of our workouts can be very effective for you. So what if I decided to walk away from the gym and, and, you know, try and incorporate my workouts, but I kind of fall off what happens to my, all the muscle that I've gained and all that power that I've gained? It's going to go away just as quickly or actually quicker than it took to to actually reach it. Um, Your body is very adaptive. So for instance, a good example of this is, is like, let's say you were somebody that worked legs once a week. Mm-hmm. You, you, you were doing a typical bodybuilding split. Well, I work legs on Monday. By the time you get around to that next week, all that adaptation that you created out of that first workout is now gone. So you're basically starting over again, which is why, you know, people see minimal results working a program like that or, or going really hard for two months and then sort of stopping. It's because they haven't given it enough time. Like it takes years for you to build up the strength, endurance. Um, and, and that only happens when consistency is there. And so to your point, that's why we saw so much so in, in our corporate gym days where people would leave for three or four months at a time, they come back in worse shape or they're right back to where we started and we're, and we're sort of having to redo everything again. And in this case, it's true. If you don't use it, you, you, you lose, lose it. it. Right. Yeah. So case in point, we, we understand that we want to take some time, uh, maybe change up the scenery when the summer changes, but that doesn't mean we should walk away from the habits that we formed. 100%. Like you should never completely walk away from those because 
it not only is the proof in the results that are shown in the mirror on the scale, uh, your ability to to move better. Um, and, and I think, too, it takes some inward reflection to realize just how much that is adding to your day. And that's not just in terms of the exercise, but in terms of how you're eating, in terms of the mindfulness and the stress reduction techniques that you're taking. It's not like stress goes away in the summer. <laughs> it, it might be a little bit more manageable because sure. the weather does have an influence on our mood, right? And, mm-hmm. and the amount of vitamin D that we're getting has an effect on our mood. Um, but I think, too, it you have to realize how much that is adding. Mm-hmm. So what are some things you can do? To Andrew's point, taking your workouts outside. There are plenty of running groups, biking groups that you can join, especially now that um, things are starting to loosen a little bit with more vaccines being administered, uh, more social gatherings, especially outside with President Biden saying, you know, basically, if you're vaccinated and you're outside, you can take your mask off. Um so there are more opportunities for you to get involved. And also the social element will help with that sort of mental health as well. Absolutely. So taking a class outside, um, seeing if you can take your weights outside, you know, and do your workout outside in the morning or in the afternoon, um, you know, does a great deal of wonder just to get a change of scenery. But think about this, too. So, like, don't think, and I think people think this, that just because you're more active outside – and let's say in a recreational activity like kayaking, paddleboarding, whatever it might be, that that is a substitute for the work that you're doing on the strength side of things, right, inside of the gym. Two totally different systems being worked there. So let's say you wanted to not do your traditional cardio day and you wanted to go for a hike. Okay. Okay, that's fine as long as the intensity is the same, sure. right? Intensity, load, duration, all of those factors that play into your ability to either maintain the fitness that you have. Um because the the and, and sort of this is a good segue is that what people don't realize is when you take away that strength training component, not only do you get weaker, balance gets a little bit worse, your coordination piece, but also too your calorie consumption or your calorie expenditure is going to change as well. Mm-hmm. Because you're burning calories 24 to 48 hours after that strength training session because that muscle requires more calories to maintain. So then if your eating habits don't change, and in fact, I find people usually eat and drink more during the summer. Absolutely. Barbecues, social drinking, traveling. Yep. All those things. Then all of a sudden you start gaining weight and you're like, well, wait a second. I, I still go to the gym, maybe not as frequent as I did, number one. I took out my strength training and I'm assuming that my walks, my bike rides are going to take care of it. Well, no, you change the scenario. Right. If it's not the same intensity, it's not a replacement. Right. And if you change a scenario in anything inside of your diet, inside of your training, your body will respond to it mm-hmm. one way or another, positive, negative, whatever which way like you want to look the at ad- it. The body is adaptable. Mm-hmm. But you do have some positives when it comes to nutrition around the summertime. Sure. Like, I mean, look at all the produce that we have available now. And people tend to eat a little bit lighter during the summer because you're not, uh, you you tend to eat more what's in season. Mm-hmm. Like salads, a lot of people go into, you know, dive deep into our salads, a lot of fruits and, and vegetables, those type of things. Well, they're fresh, they're accessible. Mm-hmm. Farmer's markets are starting yes. to open, um, which if you've never been to a farmer's market, like, first of all, the quality of the vegetables and the produce. And, and the price. And the price. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people garden. So a mm-hmm. lot of people make their own vegetable gardens. So they like to eat what they are able to produce. And I think it, it lends an opportunity for you to try some new things because a lot of times diets 
and I use the word diet loosely in terms of it's what you eat, but diets typically fail because people get bored with it, Mm -hmm. right? You're eating the same things over and over and over again. There's no variety inside of your diet. The summertime with with seasonal fruits, seasonal vegetables, the ability to grill Mm -hmm. outside again, that opens up a realm of flavors and an opportunity for you to sort of step outside your comfort zone a little bit or go back to some of your summer staples that still can be very fresh, still very good for you. Absolutely. A lot of times, you know, um, grilling chicken and barbecue, those type of things, it tastes so much so it tastes better than it would on the stove or in the oven. So, but get creative with maybe grilling a lot of different vegetables instead of, you know, doing what you would normally do, making them on the stovetop type of thing. And then in terms of, of drinking, um, drinking tends to go up during the summer. Uh, it could have gone up during the winter with the pandemic and, and depression. Actually, I think I, your doctor actually said mm-hmm. that the average American has Eight drinks per week. Eight drinks. Eight drinks per week. Yeah. She asked me what my alcohol intake was, and I said maybe one to two times. Sometimes I don't have a drink a week, but I, I, you know, one to two drinks a week. And she goes, oh, you're way below average. And I asked, what was average? And she said, eight drinks a week. Which is... It, way too much. Um, but then again, it, it's happening because people are, are using it as a stress outlet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and alcohol sales were also up mm-hmm. over the course of the pandemic and, and obviously during the winter. But drinking tends to happen a little bit more. We have more social gatherings, mm-hmm. more barbecues, bonfires, things like that. And we're not saying that drinking is evil. No. But we'll still stand by the same premise of, you know, trying to mix in or trying to control your frequency over your volume always. So, if you do have one to two days a week where you know you have an event, you're saving sort of your drinking time right. for those times. For those times. Or if you don't want to drink, like we just had a client who realized how much better she feels without alcohol um, inside of her system. And part of that was it was a factor of her environment. When she left the environment of, you know, vacation and boating every day and you're around people that are drinking, which is a hard sure. social influence yes. to, to overcome. But how much better she felt to wake up Absolutely. and have restful sleep. And how much more productive you can be when you don't have that those feelings and you don't feel like you're you're under, you know, under the weather kind of thing. But knowing that that is that social influence, and we've gotten a couple of questions about how do you approach that social influence, you know, just be honest. I, I, I've decided to step away from drinking or I'm only going to have one or, you know, I just feel a lot better when I don't drink. And that really does make people step back and think, well, you know, I do. I do, too. I don't feel that good when I drink that much either. Mm-hmm. For sure. And again, it's your decision and you should be confident in your decision. I know how hard it is. Um, there's also ways to get around it, too. Like maybe you didn't want to give people an answer. Mm-hmm. Have a club soda with lime. Right. Nobody's right. going to know the difference right. um, when you when you do that. So but just make sure you're if you are drinking socially, make sure you're having water in between those drinks as well. Mm hmm. And then the same rules rules apply uh, in terms of eating, uh, you know, during any type of season, but especially during the summer. Fill your plate first with protein and vegetables, um, then go for your carbohydrates and then add a little bit of fats in. Um, and typically you'll see great results. You'll feel good. Um, and still keeping those mindful eating pieces in mind in terms of, you know, eating to 80% fullness, making sure you're taking time to eat your meals slowly and effectively. But one thing I do have to say is that, yes, we do tend 
time to go on vacations during the summer. You know, kids are home, families are home, that type of thing. But that doesn't mean like one to two weeks out of the year doesn't mean you should stop doing all of your habits just because you're going on vacation. Or even when you're on vacation, like you can still loosen the noose, if you will, a little bit and still enjoy yourself without overdoing it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, what's the detriment? It's a big detriment to like go completely off the rails, come back and it's like a week or two turnaround feel horrible. to feel good again. Absolutely. But that's also, it, it's it's a, to, a good way to not step away from all of the habits you've created up until that point. Um, and in terms of our mindfulness habits that mm-hmm. we do every day. Well, and there's a reason why people will go off the rails on vacation because they literally are a giant stress ball all the way leading up to the reward of a vacation. And then everything goes awry. I'm drinking more. I'm not sleeping well. Like, I don't know about you, but I actually sleep the best on vacation mm. because there's no alarm to wake up to. I wake up with the sun. My body wakes me up when I need to, which is, should be the goal of everyone is sleep the way you do when you're on vacation. And I get that it's a different mindset, but but in terms of the number of hours, in terms of the quality of the sleep. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like that has to be a factor you look at. For sure. For sure. So the so let's step into our mindfulness piece, you know, the habits that we've created to set up our day. So our day doesn't conquer us. We conquer our day, you know, our meditation, our journaling, um, our, our quiet time that we've built in doesn't necessarily need to go away because we're on a different schedule. I think it needs to be reinforced during that time as well to make sure that you're keeping that habit. And I think it could just look different for you. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're going to enjoy your quiet time outside in nature, walking around in like a park or a forest, and it's just quiet. Maybe you're going to go for a run with no headphones and just allow your thoughts just to sort of run. Um, I know a lot of avid runners, they don't even run with headphones because Mm -hmm. it's really their time mentally to decompress disconnect, and and to sort of think things through um, or to not think at all. You know, and we're so inundated with with noises and, and music and media that it's their time to sort of step away from sure. everything. Absolutely. But but if but notice, too, and back to my point, if you are that person that still is managing their stress with their mindfulness practices, reading scripture, journaling, whatever that looks like for you, you probably are less likely to go off the rails completely because you've already been managing your stress. Sure. You know, you had mentioned when I broke my wrist, you're like, I, you're handling this so well. Oh, yeah. And I totally attribute it to the fact of doing my mindfulness practices because before I would have looked at this adversity and been like, oh my God, like my life's over. I, I, sh- I can't do anything. And it's like, well, no, you can do a lot of things. You just have to change things up, especially inside my workouts. Yep. Like it's driving me a little bit nuts, not being able to work out the way I used to, but it's just helped me to focus on other areas. He's really handling it really well. Like I said, <laughs> I think I would be going, I think I'd be climbing the walls, but he is handling it really well. I'm doing, I'm doing the best I can. He's doing good. So overall message really here, guys, is that When the summer and springtime come, you're going to have that inclination that you want to change things up, and that's okay. But don't give up the basic habits that you've worked so hard to build. Right. You've laid those foundational foundational bricks, so to speak. It doesn't mean you should take a step away from that. And and see how you feel. Yeah. Like, Like, if you feel 
like good right now, well, then if you start to ch- take those things away that are making you feel good, well, then what you can expect is you're going to feel terrible. Yeah. And you'll notice it. I notice when I step away from my quiet time, my schedule gets a little crazy here and there um, that I, I crave that time just so I can have that 20 minutes to do what I feel best doing. Mm-hmm. And, and if you work that hard, you will notice immediately, mm-hmm. almost immediately that you, you're missing something from your life. Mm-hmm. So take the time to sort of plan out what your summer looks like. Again, a two week vacation doesn't mean you step away for the for three months from your routine. It just might mean that it looks a little bit different sure. and that you can still do the minimal effective dose around exercise, around nutrition and around mindfulness to ensure that those habits are in place throughout the entire year. And that speaks to that sustainability. Um, it speaks to automation. It makes things easier while also feeling the way you want to feel. Absolutely. Awesome. Cool. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Again, if you missed the the two interviews that we discussed at the beginning of this podcast, make sure to go back to episodes 51 and 52. If you are a first-time listener, thank you so much for listening. I hope you listened to a few more of the podcasts in the past. And please, if you are a frequent listener and have not yet put a star, re- star rating and review on the iTunes podcast app, we would greatly appreciate it. You guys enjoy the rest of your week. It should be starting to get a little bit nicer out here, so we're going to enjoy it as well. And you guys take care. Thanks for listening to Train, Eat, Repeat. Connect with us on Instagram at fit underscore ferrant or at traineatrepeat.co. Until next time, stay strong, stay healthy.